2: Live from
3: CBS Radio Studios in New York City, it's the
1: DA Show with your host, Damon Amendolara, featuring producer Mraz and the musical sounds of the Zap Zap Orchestra.
3: Now, ladies and gentlemen here's D.A. All right, and a happy Tuesday to you, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you dropping on by to Trash Tuesday. And so let us know who or what is bugging you. And we will deliver your trashes throughout the morning. Coming up this hour here on the show in 20 minutes. Kirk Cousins gets exposed, and we're stunned to a news. In 40 minutes, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers returning to the creamsicle uniforms. Oh, yeah. Hooray. But last night, a championship delivered by the Denver Nuggets to a long-suffering fan base. As you know by now, the Nuggets have never won an NBA championship. They had never been in the NBA Finals. And they finally do so, get there, and win in five games. Last night's game was not pretty. It was ugly for most of it. In fact, the Heat really came out to throw the first punch. And let me just say, I admire the Heat for a lot of reasons. I admire the Heat because they have figured out, they have solved the code to success in the professional sports realm. And that is owner, hires, overseer, gives as much money as needed to the best overseer as possible. Let's overseer do what overseer does, make hires, make decisions, put smart coaches and players in in the, the organization and then just supports them financially and mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Mickey Harrison said 25 years ago to nearly 30 years ago to Pat Riley, you're the czar. You run the heat. Whatever you want to do, you do. I'm paying you top dollar. I'll give you resources that you need. You will not want, but you do what you do. That's what I'm paying you to do. And got out of Riley's way, didn't meddle, and Pat Riley built a model organization. This is like the fourth iteration of the Heat that have gotten to the NBA Finals or close. When Riley first took over, it was Alonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway and Dan Martley and those guys. Then, in the 2000s, it was Shaq and ultimately Dwayne Wade and Shaq. Then, it was the LeBron James Heatles. And now, it's the Jimmy Butler Heat that have gone to two NBA Finals in the last four seasons. Those are all Pat Riley things and eras and decisions. So, they just keep trucking because Mickey saw the genius of Riley and got the hell out of the way. On the flip side, the Nuggets with Stan Kroenke, Kroenke got the hell out of the way and let the basketball people germinate this and build this over eight years. Malone and Jokic and Murray have been together for nearly a decade now, and they didn't get to an NBA Finals, and there was no blow it up, start over, fire this guy, hire this guy. I'm looking at you, David Tepper. David Tepper wants his wins right now. He's a hedge fund guy. It's his only team. He spent $2 billion to get the Panthers, and so change the coach every year, hire this guy, that guy. If you believe that Matt Rule is going to be your fixer, you give Matt Rule that contract. Then you've got to get the hell out of the way. Now, it was a mistake to hire Matt Rule, but the smart owners don't keep changing everything, and they don't meddle. And that's what you had here in these two organizations. So I credit both of them. And for the Heat, look, they outkicked their coverage this year. They they were an eight seed that had a terrible regular season. They lost their first play-in game and made it all the way to the NBA Finals. No shame in that. They were better than their eight seed suggested. They should not have been an eight seed. But no shame in their season. And they threw the first punch last night. They just couldn't sustain it. And what you saw down the stretch was a more talented Nuggets team. More talented. Jokic is the best player on the floor almost every night that he plays. And in this series, absolutely was the best player on the floor. And Bam Adebayo had a great quote last night that Bogish played earlier in the morning. He was asked, what's the toughest part about guarding Jokic? And he said, he makes the right basketball decision every single possession. Every single possession, he makes the right basketball play. It's the monotony of greatness that I think has hindered how we think about Jokic. He's not flashy. He doesn't beat his chest. He doesn't want attention. He shows no emotion. There's no big explosive games than some bad games. It's just a very even keel triple, double, and demeanor every single night. And... Jokic doesn't care, but his reputation had hurt up until now because aesthetics. We don't like to admit this, but it's the truth. Sports fandom oftentimes comes down to how it looks, and I'm raising my hand. Why do I want the Tampa Bay Buccaneers jerseys to go back to the creamsicles? Why do I bang the drum on so many awful Jersey decisions? Why was Dan Marino one of my favorite players ever? And Barry Sanders, one of my favorite players ever. And Ken Griffey Jr., one of my favorite players ever. And Darryl Strawberry, one of my favorite players ever. Aesthetics. They looked cool. When you saw Dan Marino come out in that old aqua and white Dolphins uniform uniform, at the Orange Bowl with palm trees in the back, zipping lasers. she just fall in love. Oh, my God, that's my guy. Michael Jordan exists on a certain plane in NBA history, of course, because the the results were there. Six NBA championships, six NBA finals where they were never even into a Game 7. But... Michael's aesthetics are captivating. And it's why a lot of people of my generation in their forties, maybe fifties will never give LeBron his due because Michael looked cooler. Michael's shaved head, Michael soaring through the air on a dunk. Michael's silhouette legs spread as the Nike logo. Michael wearing the coolest gear in the game, having the coolest sneakers of the game, winning slam dunk contests, and he was handsome. That was, that is a delineator for a lot of people thinking about the mystique of Ma- of Michael Jordan. He looked really freaking cool. When you have a poster on your wall of Michael Jordan holding the moon, which I did, And it said, space, the final frontier. How can you not love that guy? That's my guy. Guess what will never be a poster? Nikola Jokic holding the moon saying space is the final frontier. He doesn't look cool. And his play is not cool. Nikola Jokic hoists threes looking like a guy in rec league from beyond the arc, chucking it up there, goes in. Jokic kind of runs with a bit of a, a hunch on his shoulders, lumbers down, down floor. He doesn't have cool sneakers. He doesn't have a, a cool haircut. He doesn't look like John Morant. There's no color in his hair. There's no flashiness or flamboyance to him. There's no personality, and that has hindered his reputation. And finally, we got past that because he won. And we can finally look past style when you do win. But it hurt Tim Duncan for years. There was nothing fun about watching Tim Duncan, the big fundamental. So Tim Duncan might have five championships, but how often do you hear Tim Duncan in the conversation of the top 10 players of all time or the top five players of all time? But if Tim Duncan played like Michael Jordan or Kobe and had five championships, and was the centerpiece of five championship teams. You don't think you would get more love? Kobe looked freaking cool. Kobe mimicked Michael. Kobe was handsome. Kobe was dynamic. Kobe's game was above the rim. We fall in love with these things. Kobe's not one of the five greatest players of all time. By no metric is he one of the five greatest players of all time. But there's plenty of people that would put him there. Because boy, did he look cool. And he did that Lakers jersey, the way he flew through the air, his highlights, he looked cool. Jokic has always been hindered by that. No part of his game looks cool, and he doesn't look cool. But he's amazing. He's amazing, and now it's undeniable. And I think now is a really interesting moment in NBA history and for modern culture who values cool a whole hell of a lot. How many of our celebrities are celebrities, not because they sing well or act well, but because they look cool. It's kind of the age of the influencer, maybe begun by Kim Kardashian. If you look cool and you don't really have any other discerning talents, you're okay. And I'm looking at the best players of the NBA today and wondering Do we now have to put Jokic at the top of that list? I think if you made a list of the best players of the NBA today, it'd be Giannis, Luca, KD, Steph. You'd probably put Embiid in there because of the MVP. Maybe Jason Tatum as well. LeBron's not in that conversation anymore. AD's not really in that conversation. Dame Lillard or Kawhi can't really be in that conversation. Devin Booker, not quite. Those are really good players, but I think the top three players of the NBA are some combination of Giannis, Luka, Embiid, and Steph or Durant, some combo in there for most people. But today, isn't Luka a better player than Joel Embiid? I'd say so isn't Jokic a better player than Luka Doncic right now? I mean, he is the centerpiece of a championship team where Luka has now missed the playoffs and kind of shown an emotion where he was melting down in front of his own squad and overwhelmed by the expectations, the pressure the teammates would have you, and they've cycled through teammates that maybe works with him, maybe doesn't. Isn't Jokic better than Giannis because Jokic is passing? He's the best passing big man perhaps ever. Isn't he a better all-around player than Giannis? Now, Giannis defensively is a a force, and Giannis offensively and on the boards is a force. But where do you then measure passing of Jokic and the overall consistency versus Giannis, who might be better defensively? Maybe it's toss-up. But Jokic is now on that list where it's, I think it's either Giannis or Jokic is the best players of the NBA, both of which born internationally. I think this championship run now eliminated a lot of the bias, not all of it. Some people are just still going to have the bias because they'll consider him boring. He's not cool, but he's got the hardware. He's got the game. And, you know, the casual basketball fan is not necessarily going to appreciate every angled pass that Jokic throws. He's not going to appreciate that every night there's a 20-point triple-double. But if you watch this postseason, it's hard to make the argument that Jokic is not the best player to the NBA. Because what he did in the postseason, leading the entire NBA in points, rebounds, and assists for the playoffs, first time that's ever happened. Nobody else could do that. Maybe LeBron. But LeBron really can't carry the water points-wise. But, but LeBron could in his heyday. Five years ago, LeBron could have led the entire postseason in points, rebounds, and assists. I mean, that that's that's the list right now of guys that could do that. One of the things that I love about Jokic is something that, again, is going to hurt him in the mind's eye of a lot of people, and that is he's so unassuming. Last night, the final buzzer sounds. Michael could jump up on the scorer's table and point to the number of fingers of his championships. LeBron would grab a basketball and cradle it. Michael would cry with the trophy. Wear the hat, smoke the cigar, revel in this championship. The domination, the ownership of the league. That's what he reveled in. Jokic, the buzzer sounds. He goes right over the heat to to thank them, to congratulate them. Comes in the tunnel. You would have thought he lost the game. Head down, eyes on the floor, no smile. It's like, Jokic, you just won a championship. So unassuming. He... He is so unimpressed by himself. And because he does not show that outward emotion, Giannis does, Embiid does, Luca does, but because he's so unassuming, he's so unimpressed, he's so matter-of-fact about everything, it gets lost of how great he is. Because if he was out there fired up, yelling, screaming, crying, cradling, exhorting, I think he'd be looked at differently. I really do. I think he'd be looked at differently. But if he's not the best player in the NBA today, after what we just saw, it's either him or Giannis. There's no, nobody else right now on that list. When we come back here on the show, did Kirk Cousins just get exposed? Plus, we're stunned to a news. DA, CBS Sports Radio.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
3: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
2: they've got the power power the da show on cbs sports radio
3: you can listen to us in podcast form the best of the show or the full four hours check us out anywhere that you get your podcasts plus you can watch the full show on youtube full episodes are archived there go to the cbs sports radio channel it is a trash tuesday so we are taking out the trash Turtles tweets in, I'm trashing my friends for not wanting to come to Bob's bar. They are unaware and don't know fun times. Booskies to Bob, trash them. Warm, sizzling garbage. I would agree that if you don't want to come to Bob's bar, you don't know good times. But I am going to say this. We have a warning. For the first time, the forecast has turned slightly against us. Yesterday, we got ahead of ourselves and started celebrating sunny, bright blue skies on Friday morning in West Babylon, New York, on the southern shore of Long Island. And yesterday afternoon, the forecast changed suddenly. Now, it appears to be overcasted in the 70s, which is fine. It's what it was last year. We had overcast in the 70s. We would like it, and and the good news is, on Long Island, because there's water all around, you do have the potential for something like clouds to come through and then pass right through. Things can change dramatically because you're close to the water. But it could be some storms, some storming. Could be some raindrops. And if that's true, well, you better bring your raincoat. That's all we're saying. You could still obviously... You want to come join the revelry. We're not not going to do this. We're doing this. But you just might want to bring proper rain gear. So we'll keep an eye on this forecast. It's only Tuesday morning. Okay, so we got some time here, Meraz, for this thing to to potentially change. If it changed so dramatically yesterday, it can change back over the next three days. It
1: certainly can. And obviously, we are going to hope for the best. But I do think you should have a poncho and or umbrella Handy. Maybe we'll have Zach Gelb selling ponchos for $5 on the corner <laughs> as you approach. Just just know and have that ready. I would also say that as a result of the forecast at the moment, I had not one but two potential live musical bands lined up early yesterday that have both uh, put a temporary hold and don't want to have their equipment exposed in the waters. So we might have lost live music due to the forecast. Oh, man. Yes, yes. I, I Look, I'm, I'm working on things, but yes, the, the forecast is at least scaring some alter plans up. But nonetheless, the show goes on.
3: But yeah, you know what? I mean, even if we get them scared off, we've got OK DJ coming in, OK hip-hop, perhaps, <laughs> which is <laughs> Badlands Booker's son, yeah. who apparently is a DJ. But he, even that... We just got a wireless speaker, put together a little playlist, bingo, bango, and we got music being
1: played. Yeah, no, no. Look, there will be music, and it will be fine. But, again, just be prepared. That's all. We can't, what we can't control is the weather, as, as DA would like to say. So just be prepared. The show's going to go on. Obviously, we're not going to be canceling flights or anything at this point. No. And, and hopefully, it's fine. And hopefully, look, it's right now it's 56%. Yeah, it's not 100%. Nope, it's not. So nope. th- that's where we stand. And, look, if there's a little shower that passes through and we've
3: got it's fine the rest of the day, no problem. No sure. harm, no foul.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, it is what it is. Football
3: games get played through the rain. We got it to play through. Timbo Slice tweets, I'm going to have to trash the moral compass known as Pete the Body. Wow. I'm speechless. Trash him.
1: That's garbage. And we're not talking about the band.
3: Well, I mean, I, I don't know about <laughs> being speechless.
0: <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. And there are other reasons to question Pete's um, integrity. Yeah. This is just, this is an odd phobia that he has. Like that they're, everyone's always out to get him and that they're always just lurking in the background, ready to pounce on Pete. And I don't know what he thinks would happen here by hiding the location of his car, but that's where we were yesterday. Mm hmm.
3: King Curtis says, I'm trashing my wife. We were supposed to leave for vacation on Friday. However, she forgot to take Friday and Saturday off of work. So now we're leaving on Sunday. Hashtag do better. Stinky debris. That's a tough one. That's it. That's you, know, you got your vacation plans lined up, and then your spouse forgets to take off of work, and it's too late to do so, and now you got to delay your vacation. Oh. That's, that's a tough one.
1: Oh. That actually sounds like DA something you would do.
3: Yeah, it does. <laughs> that sounds like me and Bourbon Bell have something to get away and then I'm like, oh wait, I never took off. <laughs> Oops. That's a total me play. <laughs> yep.
1: I got Chaz Palmeterian New York accent. I'm sorry, Bourbon Bell. We're gonna have to hold <laughs> on.
3: <laughs> Incognito man says, Congrats on being a dad, DA. Hardest but yet most rewarding job you'll ever have, but I'm trashing my boss today who demands we all get on video during group calls, but then turns his camera off. Hashtag big baby on the landfill. Hashtag trash Tuesday. Splash Brothers, more like the Trash Brothers. Aaron tweets, I'm trashing a lotto guy. Every time I'm in a hurry, I get behind 20 ticket Tony over here trying to hit it big. Hashtag keep scratching. Hashtag big baby. Illegal dumping. 20-ticket Tony over it's here. Trash of my dad, it feels like. Is that right? Your dad's a 20-ticket Tony? I don't know about 20-ticket Tony, but he's a big dollar
0: and a dream <laughs> guy. And he gets there. He's got all sorts of, I need this boxed. I need this squared. I need three numbers. I got four numbers. <laughs> here's a mega millions. Wow. There's a lot going on with Bob Bogus. What's his biggest hit? Oh, there's never been a big hit. Never been a big hit small hit there's never been a mo- a needle moving hit in any oh, wow. way yeah. no no no
3: not even like a $200 hit uh i think there's been a
0: <laughs> i mean there's been a handful of those but nothing that has led to like a new deck on the house, or let's oh go, man. let's go to Capri, Italy for a week. Nothing like that.
1: Does Bob Bogus do what my father-in-law does, where you know, holiday time, birthday time, you get the scratch-offs given to you, and then rather than them be your gift, he's got to hover over you with that itch, watching you scratch them off. No, uh, I, think- I can't stand that. Did you scratch him yet? Now let me see what, what, what do you got there. And then they're gonna be looking for their cut if you actually hit big because right. they bought them. No, my dad
0: prefers the numbers games, the old school. So, but so for birthdays and stuff, you'll get themed pick fours uh, or whatever. Like here, are your birthday, you know, here's your birthday
3: in four digits or something like that. The Bourbon bell when we first started dating, was a big lotto person. She was she bought the lotto quite a bit. Tried to play the um, Mega Millions, and I always kind of felt bad like you always, everybody always loses. I don't know anybody in my life that's ever won anything on lottos and scratch tickets. It it always feels like I feel a little bit of pity for people that are addicted to the lotto and scratch off. Now to her point, it's like, Hey, it's just entertainment. I mean, if it's a buck and I get a charge out of it, so what? And some people do win. And that is true. But I, yeah, the people that are addicted to lotto, I just, I feel really bad for because it feels like they're being manipulated with this idea that you (laughs) win or you can win. And I don't know, like, It's way better to lay a ton of money on a sports bet because at least there's a 50-50 shot you can win. The lotto, I mean, what's your chance of winning? It's like one in a million.
1: Right, but there's always some jerk that wins, right? They've been following around this guy in California who won that big jackpot. Why did he deserve it? He won because he didn't think he was going to win.
3: It's just it's so misleading to let people think there's a decent chance of winning. Now, of course, that's a $1 or $5 investment, or some people maybe put 20 bucks on it. But if you put 20 bucks on the Heat plus nine last night, <laughs> you're a 50 50 shot. Yeah. If you put 20 bucks in Tolado, now granted, you might only win 20 bucks right. on the, the Heat bet. But if you win twenty bucks in the lotto, I mean, it just it feels like you're consistently it's, flushing money down the toilet.
1: It's the allure of the payouts. Why the the sports gambling websites and we love them. But, you know, they love you playing those parlays because it's essentially you playing the lotto. You're playing for the big payoff that you're not going to hit. But at least a twenty dollar
3: six leg parlay or eight leg parlay, like Boyle hits those. Okay, uh, so now yeah. I I know somebody who hit a four thousand dollar bet. I know somebody personally. I don't know anybody that's won a $4,000 lotto bet.
1: You're right. However, Pat's not betting 20 bucks to win those if you look at his ticket. True. He's betting like 100 bucks. Right. Exactly. The, he, right. That's the, true. Ex- that's the difference. If you bet, bet a lot, sure, you can, you can hit on that. No, I'm with you for the most part. The also, I don't know about you guys. I've played the lotto before, and then like I know I've lost, and I've given it over to somebody. And I actually almost don't trust them. Like, what if I won? What if they're taking it for themselves? I Even if I've won the lotto big, I don't even think I could trust anybody. <laughs> you mean the store owner? Yes. The clerk?
3: <laughs> Cameron Jordan was speaking yesterday to, was this a, I think this is a
1: camp, it right? was. Was talking to It was. A bunch a, of kids? A pass
3: rushing summit for young pass rushers. Okay, so maybe the Schwartzes were involved there or something like that. <laughs> Cam Jordan said, quote, in this game, everybody knows a fast wrong decision could be a right decision. A fast right decision, you're a winner. A slow right decision gets your ass on the bench because there's somebody out there that's going to be moving at a different speed. So what Cam Jordan is saying there is if you make quick decisions, you're beating the other person, the opponent to the punch. And you make quick, right decisions, you're Tom Brady. You drop back to pass, three-step drop. You've assessed the field immediately. Boom, you know where to go. And you win championships that way. If you make quick, wrong decisions, you could still be good. You, you still might make a play because you're beating the other person to the spot on the field. And so you think about a dynamic player, maybe like a Michael Vick. Maybe in today's NFL, it's a Kyler Murray, where maybe they're not great quarterback decision makers. But if they move quickly and they're beating somebody to a spot, they're making a quick decision with their arm or their legs. Even if it's the wrong decision, they win the play. They pick up yards, right? So Kyler Murray drops back to pass. He makes the wrong read but he tucks it and runs, and because he's too fast, he gets around the edge and picks up 13 yards, right? So that's what Cam Jordan is talking about. He goes, if you're slow and you make the right decision, you get your ass on the bench because you made the right decision of where to go with the football, but there's always somebody faster that's going to get there before you get there. And Cam Jordan says, quote, slow right decisions, defenders love them. We call them Kirk cousins and this gets a laugh obviously, but it kind of is the perfect synopsis of Kirk cousins. Kirk is going to sit there in his cubicle and drill down in every decision, every situation, every, everything he could digest and process he's going to do. And so you get him in the huddle and you say, we're going to run this play, and he knows exactly against this defense at this time what's supposed to be open. And he's traditionally right in those decisions. That's how you can throw for 4,000 yards every season. But when the game gets fast, when the defenses get better, in the playoffs specifically, Cousins has a really tough time winning playoff games and will never win a Super Bowl. Because he might be making the right decisions, but they're slow. His footwork is slow. His release is slow. The ball gets there slow, or he's taking a half beat too long to process what that decision's going to be. So I think that even though it's kind of a flippant comment by Cam Jordan, it says a lot about Kirk Cousins. It is why there's a limitation. It's why Kirk Cousins will always have a job, he'll make right decisions. But while he'll never win a Super Bowl, take too long to get there. Standing by with headlines, kind sir, Andrew Bogish.
0: And DA, these headlines are sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. In short, a lot of things bundled today at Progressive.com. Jimmy Butler started two for 13 from the floor, but then reeled off eight consecutive points late in the fourth quarter last night in Denver. Putting Miami up one with their season on the line, but those Nuggets had a final answer.
1: Jamal turns the corner, shoots a tough two. Jumper misses. That's a foul down low. Put back up and in. Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown.
3: Nuggets lead it
0: by one. Jason Kosminski on Nuggets Radio. Denver kept that lead the rest of the way, taking game five, 94-89 over the Heat to claim their first title in their 47th year of NBA basketball. It was Brown's turn to step up last night. 10 points, six boards in 28 minutes off the bench. He thanked head coach Michael Malone postgame.
3: We got Nicola, Jamal, MPJ, and Aaron on the floor. Um, and last game, he's, he's putting the ball in my hands and letting me make a play. Um, so that says a lot. Um, has the confidence in his players. Um, If he needs to get on you, he'll get on you, Um, but he means well.
0: Brown playing in support of Nikola Jokic, who had 28 points, 16 boards, and 4 assists. He's your finals MVP, the sixth player born outside the U.S. to win it. The Heat put enough defense to extend the series, but 89 points to enough. Kyle Lowry tries to explain. I
3: think we still got good looks. I think our pace was great. You know, I think uh they made shots and uh we you know, we we didn't get out of transition as much as we wanted to, but I mean we shot thirty-four percent or something like that, and um we got some good looks and just missed them.
0: Yep, thirty-four percent overall, nine for thirty-five from three. Butler did score twenty-one, but on just five for eighteen shooting, Tyler Here and his broken hand were active but did not play. It's almost a full week now of the A's not being terrible. Bases
2: loaded. Infield back. Here's the pitch and swung on. Hit the left center up the alley. Long run for Siri is Not going to get it. It bounces off the wall. Scoring is Bride. Scoring is Peterson. Smith is around third. He will score on a double to left center by Langoliers. Clearing the bases and the A's take a 3-0 lead.
0: That's Ken Korach on A's Radio. Shea Langoliers the biggest hit in a 4-3 win over the Rays that's a six game streak now for Oakland 4-3 again the final the Royals lost at home to the Reds last night 5-4 and 10 so Oakland and KC now have 18 wins apiece the A's though still have the worst winning percentage in the majors thanks to two more losses the Tigers snapped a nine game skid with a 6-5 win in 10 at home over the Braves and Phillies catcher JT Real Muto hit for the cycle in a 9-8 loss in Arizona That's six wins in a row for the D-backs. Stanford and Tennessee won decisive Game 3s last night, so they get the final spots in the Men's College World Series, which begins this weekend in Omaha. And on the heels of Messi leaving France for MLS, Kylian Mbappe has reportedly told PSG he will not renew his contract for another season, so his current deal has just one year left. So the club is apparently open to transfer offers this summer. Mbappe, one of the best players on the planet, PSG reportedly wants about $160 million for him. Mm-hmm. And now, we'll get stunned. Woohoo!
1: doesn't take much to surprise this bouncing baby boy. This is honestly the most stunned I have ever been on the show to a news. The DA Show is stunned to a news.
0: I'm assuming most of us have seen this story on the news by now. Back on Friday, four children aged 13, 9, 4, Uh, and 11 months were found alive in the Amazon jungle inside Colombia 40 days, four zero days after their single engine plane crashed. Two adults died when the plane went down on May 1st. The kids now say their mom survived a few days before passing oh. away. The kids were found by a combination of Colombian Army personnel and indigenous people. They ate cassava flour, seeds, And because they are from an indigenous tribe, they knew what fruits were safe to eat in the jungle. They also collected rainwater in a soda bottle from the plane. When they were found, they were hungry, they were tired, they were covered in bug bites. They say they had hid most of the time in tree trunks to protect themselves from animals and bugs, etc. But by all accounts, they're okay. They're in a hospital right now, and more than one of them wanted to get up and run around and have fun. But they're still being, uh, doctors are being cautious here. But 40 days in the jungle by themselves, the oldest 13, and they've made it out.
3: We usually do lighthearted stories around here, but stunned to a news, this really is stunning. This is one of those, you can't even believe it's real. Can you imagine an 11-month-old surviving in the Amazon for 40 days Without an adult. This 11 month old. Is being taken care of by a 4 year old. A 9 year old and a 13 year old. And they have to process the trauma. Of crashing. In an airplane. In the middle of a jungle. And watching their parent. On the plane pass away. And now you have to go into survival mode. It is outrageous. Like these 4 human beings. Are at a totally different level. Of of just endurance and toughness. And I-, I just can't even explain how amazing this is. Now, thankfully the father of the two youngest children is alive. I think he wasn't on this flight.
1: Correct. So
0: it was just the mom and the four kids. And then I was and a pilot and somebody else.
3: So they do have a parent that's still alive, oh. but could you imagine hiding in tree trunks for more than a month? waiting for search parties to perhaps find you and living on flowers and fruits and just it's impossible
1: to even imagine i mean how great a leader is the 13 year old right that's right well thinking too. i mean you're totally. the adult in the room at that point at 13 years old i mean would you even know how to take care of an 11 month old regularly let no. alone hiding from snakes and mosquitoes and whatever else in the amazon it's incredible no i, I wonder so know if
0: being young helps like they're not us thinking of all of the worst case scenarios, thinking through every possible situation. Like they know they're in trouble, they know what's dangerous, but like there's like an innocence to being thirteen, nine, four, and eleven, where you know it's a crappy spot, but like I feel like you there's like you're you're less aware of how terrible it is when you're that young.
3: You might be right that you you would not over process and overthink like an adult would but I think as you get older you get larger and stronger and you you feel a little bit more like ready to take on some challenges I mean if I was nine years old in the jungle everything would scare me that I just I couldn't everything would be daunting and horrifying so I think it cuts both ways I these kids are just I mean they're they're beyond what I thought, you know, what you think that humans are capable of. It's just it's it's too much. It's just too much. Uh, tomorrow, Bogues, I, I think maybe we got another stunt to a news. Did you see that there is an alien crash landing in Vegas that is being reported that yes. happened in uh, in early May? Yes. I think we got to do that because there's footage. There's eyewitness accounts. Yeah. The cops seem to also see this thing crash. Apparently, one of the aliens was hanging out in a forklift. I mean, I think we need to do this.
1: I would say, just as a teaser, that story is so wild. It's convinced me that I don't think as a country we care about aliens anymore. Because this should be the biggest story everywhere. It
3: should be the biggest story that we're coming this close to an alien
1: connection. Uh, Yes. And we're almost just writing it off. I think we've had it with alien stories that we don't take it seriously anymore.
3: Do you believe they were a real alien in there?
1: I do.
0: And we've also had a, I think, a, a former Air Force official say that we yeah.
1: definitely have alien remains. Yeah, no, th- those were we'll get into t- those were a hundred percent an alien. There's no way that it's not.
3: At um, at two thirty in the morning last night, I was reading this story, watching AJ and uh, and looking at the video. I couldn't see what people were saying was the alien in the video, but what I did glean from it was everybody involved in it. It's not like, oh, you wouldn't believe we saw an alien. Everyone's like, no, that definitely was not human. Everybody had kind of the same take, and it was multiple different parties
1: and the authorities that all
3: saw the same thing.
1: And a video of the thing falling from the sky, which that's not a star.
0: Yeah, I think think there's like almost... We're in agreement that something crashed. It's what happened after that thing crashed
1: is what could be debated. But again, how is this not the biggest story in the world, but we're more concerned (laughs) with Brady being with Zlatan's girlfriend. Like the Nuggets are a bigger story than Aliens. (laughs) Right. (laughs)
3: Jokic jumping ahead of Giannis on the NBA chart is a bigger story today than perhaps an alien encounter with documentation (laughs) (laughs) a month ago in Vegas. (laughs) So... The aliens landed in Vegas before the A's did.
1: (laughs) Yes, they did. John Fisher's just kicking his chair in his office. Like, how did they get there before us?
3: (laughs) When we come back on the show, the creamsicles are back. DA, CBS Sports Radio. (laughs) Tell your smart speaker to play CBS Sports Radio. Have us on around the house or the office every single morning. The Bucks are bringing back the creamsicle uniforms this year. We've got a ton of cool throwbacks coming back because the NFL finally dropped the one-shell rule, meaning you could only have one helmet. And thus, unless your helmet base color was the same as your throwback helmet, that you couldn't have a different colored helmet. So now the Buccaneers have a pewter helmet, but they can go to the white base, the white shell, because you could have a second helmet. So... They did it right. They picked a game against an old NFC Central foe, the Detroit Lions. They did it in October. They got the Creamsicles coming back. It's a fun opponent, the Lions. They should be pretty good this year. And they unveiled it with, like, the old theme song and a retro-style hype video, so I loved everything about it. I can't wait to see how it looks in person because the last time we saw the Bucko Bruce Unis were thirteen or 11 years ago, 2012. So it's been a while since we've seen them actually on a football field and equipment changes, the style of jersey changes. So I'm excited to see how the Buccaneers look in the old throwbacks. Can't wait. Art Art Bobart tweets, I'm trashing my job. They're closing half the facility, facility displacing workers and potentially losing jobs. Then they threw a goodbye potluck. A potluck? That's the best they got? Hashtag trash them. I smell rotten eggs. The great at mail man says, good morning. He's at your hold snapper. I'm trashing the show for making me yell, okay, hip hop for five minutes yesterday while delivering mail. (laughs) How did everyone forget his name? Also, I'm quick. I'm quickly trashing my mother-in-law and brother-in-law. Hashtag heartless. (laughs) Let's face it. That's straight trash. Throw that in there. (laughs) Morez, what would you think about the alternate dog logo the Browns cooked up?
1: So it's cool. It reminds me of when the Cardinals a couple years ago I actually liked it. They went to an angrier bird. I think any time a, a dog looks angrier, it's going to be more intimidating. I'm fine with it. The Browns are just a weird team, as we alluded to, to comment on logos when they continue to do just the brown helmet, which we support and like. So, But if I'm buying gear and I'm a Browns fan, that dog, I think, speaks to it. And as far as, like, the local stuff... Honestly, I even squinting at it, I couldn't tell any of that. So it, that, I find that irrelevant, but cool for Cleveland if they're into it. Uh, I'm with you, too, by the way, on the Buck stuff. It's cool. It just still feels like a shame we never got Brady in them.
3: Yes, I would agree. I would have loved to see Brady. I think he actually would have made it look pretty cool. One of the things about the Browns is it has spikes on its collar, eight of them representing each of the Browns championships four oh. aAFC so what I mean like it's it's overthought and four in the NFL 50 54 55 64 and I saw this and you guys know that I love NFL history. It's pretty shocking, is it not, that the Browns have eight championships in
1: their history? Yeah, I mean, look, and obviously it's a weird sport where we almost view anything pre-Super Bowl as not mattering. But yes, to think of the Browns as an eight-time champion, yes, feels very unusual. I don't know if you can
3: really count the AAFC. I mean, it's, it's a precursor to the NFL. It is, I suppose, a franchise championship, but it was not the NFL. But even if you just went NFL, they won four NFL championships. Right. Like, if this was the World Series, you'd have to say the Cleveland Browns had four World Series championships. It's just wild. When we come back, the Nuggets are champions.
1: <laughs> she looks like a French bulldog.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.